This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Thank you, Daniel. And as I just now turn the recording on, I'll just mention again, this is the third part of our series on leadership covering today. I'll cover the uh, leadership of elders and deacons and focus on on eldership. So those are the scriptures that we'll be uh, basing on in terms of the qualification of elders. But my uh, my focus today is to really talk about, um, you know, the purpose of elders and why Paul talks in Timothy and Titus and why throughout scriptures that talk specifically to the importance of elders and, and specifically what their role is, okay? So there's quite a bit of material. Uh, I have found that uh, I did some research. A, a gentleman by the name of H.E. Phillips wrote a book called Scriptural Elders and Deacons. Uh, Ross Fink had given me this book years ago and uh, it is, uh, certainly uh, have been, has been very helpful to me in developing this message and uh, comparing it to Scripture. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm not going to get too much into the, the role of deacons. And the, the, purpose, the primary purpose of the deacon is uh, to really attend to the physical needs of the congregation under the direction of the elders. My focus today is going to be on the eldership. So, why, uh, first of all, why organize and have structure? In the Lord's Church, when Paul said it's a good work, what? Why is that important to have organization and structure? I like this quote by H.E. Phillips. He writes, "Organization is absolutely necessary to accomplish the fullest ability when two or more people are associated in any given task. The lack of good organization in the church is the greatest hindrance to the efficient administration of the mission of the church." Since the Lord has but one church and has given us one pattern for all congregations, it follows that the organization revealed in the New Testament is the only acceptable one. Now, there are two basic conditions of the Lord's church today. You have scripturally organized and scripturally unorganized. Um, Of course, there are many organizational approaches today in place that are unscripturally organized, but I do not plan to to cover other ways that you may be familiar with that churches operate in terms of their structure. My main one is to cover the eldership, which would be in place in a scripturally organized local congregation. So scripturally organized basically would be having qualified elders, deacons appointed and performing the mission of the church in a scriptural way. Scripturally unorganized would be having no members qualified for the deacons or elders, or elders or deacons, hence having no offices, officers of any kind that exercise oversight. This is usually characteristic of a newly established congregation or a small number of Christians meeting temporarily, usually under the circumstances such as a group of soldiers meeting at an army post. Okay, so that would be a, a typical unorganized scripturally unorganized church. So scriptural meaning of church, as we know, has, in this case, basically three different meanings. You have a church universal, which 
uh, Matthew 16, 18 talks about in terms of when Jesus said, I'll build this church uh, upon this rock, I'll build my church. That's the church universal. Then also church is used in a sense of churches in a district or a region. Paul refers to the churches in Galatia, in, in Galatia, Galatians 1, 2. Kind of refers to the churches. They're kind of a regional churches. And then finally, when we talk about eldership, we're speaking specifically to the local congregation. It's used in a local sense, as in what Daniel read in Timothy and Titus, Titus 1.5 specifically. So those are the, um, as mentioned, those would be the characteristics of an elder, the qualifications. But I want to turn our attention to the leadership responsibilities or the duties of the eldership, and that is going to be the main focus on my lesson today. So talking about the leadership, the, the duties associated with eldership. Now you may be familiar with uh, many terms that sound very similar in, that are used today to t talk about a, a leader in a church. You may have heard the term, of course, elder, pastor, bishop, shepherd. These terms are used interchangeably often as it relates to the office of the elder. Uh, and we will cover these in a bit more as it relates to the specific function uh, that they are serving within the work and why those different terms are used. So hopefully we can bring a little clarity to that. Now the office or the work of a bishop is a matter of prophecy. To Israel, the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 3.15, he said, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah said that. This is the same kind of work the elders are to perform today. And then I'll go into much more detail about how they carry that out. The same prophet later said in Jeremiah 23, 3 through 4, he said that I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. It is God's will that the church should have elders, but it is also his will that these elders should perform a certain function, which no other can do by the authority of God. The office of bishop is a good work we're told, and all members of the church do not have the same office. There are different roles within the body of Christ. And we know that from Romans 12, 4 and 5, it says, for just as we have many parts in one body, all the body's parts do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. You see, elders have all the authority over the local members deacons and preacher. All the work and all the elders of the local congregation are in equal authority. So you have plurality of elders and their authority is equal among the elders and they are over the deacons, the congregation, and the, and the preacher. The leadership duties of elders may be divided into different areas or different classes. His duties to God, which concern the qualification and obedience to the word, 
that individual elder's duty uh, concerning his qualifications and obedience to the word, his duties to self, which have to do with viewing his own heart and examining himself in light of God's truth. And the third one is his duties to the church, which include all of which he is responsible for overseeing the flock. The last division may be further divided into basically six parts. So again, these duties that we read, that Daniel read, they're broken down into three classes. And this last one is, has it relates to overseeing the church. And the six parts that I'm referring to are his role as shepherd, his role as overseer, his role as ruler, his role as steward, and his role as example. As mentioned earlier, the terms used to donate those referred to as elders tells us something of the nature of those duties. So based on those terms we use, it kind of tells you what we're talking about as far as their role. So before delving into the study of the elders' duties or the leadership role of elders in a congregation, let's review the implications of these terms designating elders and see something about the nature of their function in the church. Okay? When we talk about elder, the, the word elder, when used in connection with an office in the church, suggests one of experience and dignity, such as age would confer. Important decisions and functions of leadership would naturally fall to such men. When we refer to shepherd, it carries that connotation, that idea of feeding the flock. And I'll talk more about shepherd later on. In Palestine, in Bible times, it donated one who cared for the sheep by leading them to pasture, to water, and guarding them against dangerous animals that would devour them. In the church, it donates the work of teaching and guiding into safe paths. That's, that comes with the connotation of shepherd. For overseer, signifies one who superintends or oversees. This gives us the idea of ruling as part of the duties of an elder. The role is not unlimited, but on that must conform to the standard of Christ. A ruler is one who exercises authority, and in the case of authority, dele delegated by Christ, and is confirmed, con uh, confirmed to the flock which is among you. So it's limited. It's not unlimited authority. It's very limited authority based on what Christ said and to the local congregation. That's the overseer, the ruler. When we talk about a steward role of an elder, it implies that the elder must tend to the property or possessions of another part of the work. And it is understood to mean basically taking care of the house of God. Being, when we talk about being a good steward of something, that's the, in an elder's role, being a good steward of the house of God. And then finally, and very importantly also, is being the example. That signifies that the elder is to be made a model or pattern of Christianity for all others in the church to follow. It is then concluded that part of the function of the elder is to go before and set the example of what one should be in the church. So let us move to cover the leadership of the local congregation 
and specifically the duties of elders. Okay, now I'm going to cover 15 duties, leadership duties of the elders in a local congregation. So I'm trying to be a bit exhaustive in terms of their different roles, but if anything, you should get the impression, I hope, as I did in my study, that it's pretty exhaustive. It's a significant role. And I'm sure no one would ever even thought of taking the role of eldership lightly, but even, you know, for me, it's impressed it further, just the depth and the breadth, the role of an elder. I'm going to quickly just speak to those 15 in terms of, I'm just going to go through those and I'll come back and, and dig into them, but I want to try to help frame those different duties, okay? The first one is to take heed to themselves. Number two is to be guided by the word of God. These are the duties of an elder. The third is to be example to the flock. Number four is to take the oversight. Five is to take heed to the flock. Number six is to rule well. Number seven, to feed the flock. Number eight, watch for grievous wolves. Number nine is to stop the mouths of vain talkers. Number 10, decide the differences in the church. Differences come up. We'll talk to that. Number 11, admonish the church. Number 12, support the weak. Number 13, pray for the sick and administer to their needs. 14 is to establish churches when needed and to help in such work. And finally, 15 we will cover is to watch for the souls of the church. So I'm going to go into those a little bit more thoroughly now. So let's start with take heed to themselves. When you take heed to yourself, everybody does that. When you take heed to yourself, the elder needs to do that. It's from Acts 20:28 20, tells us, be on guard, that is, take heed for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Take heed to yourselves, elders. Elders' duties concern the souls of men, and they must first inspect how he, the elder, stands in relation to God. I'm sure many of us in our own positions that we have, we first ask ourselves, well, how am I matching up? Before we're able to view someone else or a situation. Well, that's the message here that Acts 20, 28 tells us. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, 13, 5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? 
In the examination of himself, he must make sure that he is walking in the faith before he tries to lead others correctly. In order to oversee the flock, he must be able to effectively oversee himself. One of the best rules in successful, in successful is to do this is to pray without ceasing because there is no expectation that an elder be sinless. Because there is no example other than Christ in the word of a sinless man. But clearly, Paul said, go appoint elders. So that's not the idea that when you take heed that you must find yourself sinless to be qualified to be an elder or the duty throughout. Obviously, being an elder isn't a one-time event. It is a continuous process, and that's why the encouragement is in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is to pray without ceasing. Okay, number two, to be guided by the word. To be guided by the word of God. Let's take it from Acts 20.32. And now I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This duty is closely related to Titus 1.9, which says, holding firmly the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. Not only qualification must be continually uh, be guided by it, holding fast to the word, leading by the word and not by personal desires or whims of men. I mean, that's just coming down to being solid solidly grounded in the word guided by the word of god that is what you follow that's the unchanging standard let's move on be examples to the flock first peter 5 3 says nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care but by proving to be examples to the flock a good elder must be a pattern for the church to follow. And this is one of his key leadership responsibilities. Now, instead of strict commands in others and driving them, lording it over them, rather he must set the example. And John 10.4 says, when he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You get that picture of a general leading his troops, right? You know, I mean, that's the picture I get when I think of the example. Not pushing or lording it over and you go do this, but leading by example. The voice of the shepherd never leads in a way that the shepherd himself has not trod. The Lord did not intend that elders should think for each member of the church and the elders would benefit from the experience and judgment of the membership. So being an elder is not being super smart, superhuman, you think for everybody. That's not, a, that's not the role of an elder. There's some important ways in which an elder can be an example to the flock. How about a good example of fatherhood? have full respect of his children, 
They should be in subject to the rule in his home. An elder should be a good example as a husband. A man whose wife is not in subjection to him and does not reflect Christian traits cannot provide to be a good example to the world, much less the church. By the examples of love, kindness, patience, wisdom, and judgment, he is able to hold proper respect and devotion of a good wife. How about the example of a good neighbor? Learning again the lesson of the Good Samaritan, the art of loving and doing good to those around us. An elder should be a good example of a teacher. Should be one who is able to impart knowledge and truth to others, either publicly or privately. He should know how to teach the truth. Colossians 4.6 says, Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. A good teacher. How about a good example of faithfulness to the church? Every elder ought to attend every service in order to provide oversight, guard the flock against error, as well as learn and grow himself. there to serve as examples of faithfulness. How about a good example of a businessman? Providing for his own, as in Titus 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the face and is worth worse than an unbeliever. Businessman generally is, can hold a job. You make a living to provide for your family. You should be an honorable business and should, be, should have a reputation that is above reproach even to those in the world. It would be difficult to respect an elder that you knew outside of the church who conducted his business in a way that is not right, you might say. You want to be a good example of a provider, of a businessman. The seventh is a good example of the right kind of recreation and entertainment. A, play, a place our young people often stumble. When elders engage in questionable forms of entertainment or go where Christians should not go, someone will be sure to see them and follow their steps. This one we spent a lot of time on was a good example of a peacemaker. Matthew 5.9 tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. When disturbances arise, as they will, the elder must be the first to try to make peace among them. How about a good example of a worker in the kingdom? Elders should neither do all the work nor none of it but rather carefully plan and outline the work to be done so that all the church will be workers. Those are the examples of how the elder needs to be. So let's move on to number four of the duties or the responsibilities, the leadership responsibilities of an elder. 
And this is taken, this is take the oversight. Take the oversight. 1 Peter 5, 2 says, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness. The elder must accept the responsibilities of his charge, taking the oversight willingly and not having to be compelled to take it. The term oversight, overseer, implies that he is to superintend or to look out for all phases of the church. For example, the worship, the songs that are, be sure that they're scriptural. The prayers are from righteous men. Ensure the giving is from prosperity, of prosperity and the gospel is preached and taught. See that the Lord's Supper is observed in an orderly and scriptural manner. It provides oversight to ensure that those things take place in the local church. And again, it can't be something that, well, they made me be an elder. I kind of forced me into it. That's what it means when it talks about take the oversight. It's not forced upon you. Number five, take heed to the flock. Similar to what we talked about in the first one, take heed to the flock. Acts 20, 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Just as I said, taking heed of yourself, taking heed of the flock. It's not enough to look out for your own conduct, but must constantly look out for the conduct of each member of the church. And this requires a skillful eye to detect the slightest danger that might come upon any member. The relationship of a shepherd to his flock is a beautiful picture of the relationship of elders in the church. As spoken by Ezekiel the prophet, woe to the shepherds who have neglected their flock. The elders must be acquainted with each member and know their spiritual needs in order to properly take heed of the flock. It's a big responsibility of an elder to know his sheep. At least be acquainted to understand the needs of that individual. Number six, an elder's duty is to rule well. The elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor, it tells us in 1 Timothy 5.17, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Every organization must have some form of authority and rule. The local church is no different, and elders must be the rulers. Furthermore, in Hebrews, the author captured the need to obey those who rule. It said in Hebrews 13, 7, Remember those who lead you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their way of life, imitate their faith. In Hebrews, then on in Hebrews 3, 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they may do this with joy. Not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you, it tells us. He must rule well. He must have respect of all the church as he rules his own house with love and patience. 
As Paul instructed fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's why one of the qualifications is to, to, uh, to lead his family well. Number seven, feed the flock. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge the, el the elders among you, as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness. Feed the flock. The idea of feeding the flock is the same as a pastor to them. Psalms 23 is a beautiful description of the relationship of a shepherd and his flock and Christ over his sheep. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. You see, the elders as pastors over the flock have a threefold duty. The first is to keep each member from straying and becoming lost. The second is to protect the flock from dangerous wolves, false teachers coming disguised as sheep. And the third is shepherds are to, be, are to water and feed the sheep. Know each member's needs for spiritual food. Spiritual food is essential to their souls. Number eight, to watch for grievous wolves. Acts 20, 29 and 30 tells us, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And verse 20, and from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Watching for persons claiming to be teachers of God, which in reality are teachers of wrong, perhaps even evil doctrine. An elder needs to be looking out for that, watching for the grievous wolves. Remember how the Apostle Paul ceased not to admonish everyone day and night with tears. That's how the Apostle Paul talked about it. Gives you that sense of heavy responsibility. Number nine, stop the mouths of vain talkers. And that's taken from Titus 1.11. Who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things that should not teach for the sake of dishonest gain. And now an elder needs to take care of that. Elders must discipline the unruly in a firm manner, not as lords over the flock, but also cannot leave it alone. Can't just ignore it just because they fear of making someone angry. Sometimes it's necessary to withdraw fellowship when all other measures have failed. 2 Thessalonians 3.6 says, Now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother or sister who leads a disorderly life and not in one accordance with the tradition for which you receive from us. That's what Paul wrote to the church in 
Thessalonica. It's pretty serious. Pretty heavy. Number 10, decide differences in the church. The apostles and elders came together to look to this matter, it tells us in Acts 15, 6. See, in Acts 15, we find a great controversy on the matter of circumcision arising in one of the early churches. Frequently, difference in matters of opinion or even matters of faith arise between members of a congregation. It cannot be ignored because it often gets larger and more serious as it progresses. Someone must settle these difficulties in harmony with the New Testament. There are going to be times there are going to be disagreements. And it's going to be the elder's job to help sift through that and do it according to the New Testament. It is a great responsibility enjoined upon mortal man to assist in settling difficulties arising among the people of God. By exercising their wisdom and prudence, it is certain that little of the present troubles will go unresolved. Number 11 is to admonish the church. From 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we know that it says, But we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize that those who are diligently labor among you and are in leadership over you and give you instruction. We need, as elders, they need to admonish the church. A duty of the elders is to teach and admonish, that is, to gently or friendly reprove or correct. These church members to observe all that Jesus has commanded them. This admonish, admonition must be in the spirit of love and based upon a continual observation of the whole congregation. Three ways to admonish. Be a good example, personal instruction to each member, or by the selection of sound teachers and preachers to publicly instruct. Number 12, support the weak. It's a responsibility, it's a duty of an elder. Acts 20, 35 says, In everything I showed you, that by working hard, in this way you must help the weak and remember the words of Lord Jesus, that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's the duty of all Christians, and especially that of the elders, to help care for the weak and for the needy. Elders must lead and direct in this work, just as a father cares and provides for those in his own family who are not able to care for themselves. Paul said in Acts 20, 22 through 24, I have coveted no one's gold or silver. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. For those who are spiritually weak, the elders must supply for their spiritual needs. And it's not necessarily for elders to do this on their own. That's not the purpose of it. But it must be done with the full ability of the church. And number 13, the elder must pray for the sick and administer their needs. James 5.14 says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they go and pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
the duty of all Christians, but James specifically states that the elders are to be called and perform this duty as an effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This includes more than just praying as pure religion includes visiting the afflicted. It's important for an elder to do that. And number 14, establish churches when needed to help in the, such work. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the ordinances to them, it tells us in Acts 16, 4 and 5, follow which they had determined by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and increasing in number daily. You know, this is not a specific duty in the exclusion of all others, but within the scope of the eldership to see that the gospel is spread and establishing other churches. Elders need to lead the church in evangelizing the world, seeing that each person near them has the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then finally, the elders need to watch for the souls of the church. Hebrews 13, 17, we read, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. One of the greatest duties ever delivered to mortal man is that of watching the souls of others. This is the duty of elders. They must so love the flock that they, like the master, would lay down their lives, if necessary, to protect the soul of a man, in his most, which is his most precious possession. They must watch all phases of the church and guard against apostasy. No greater charge has ever been given to man than watching out for the souls of those in the flock. I know that was a bit lengthy, but it talks to the importance, obviously, the breadth and depth of an elder. And I know here in our congregation, this is something we strive for. So the importance of the lesson on leadership, as Clint started us out and Dwayne covered with the women, this is something that we strive for in our congregation is to have elders and then appoint deacons. deacons. Um, I hope that for our men here that we use this as a tool to reflect on our own selves and the desire to have that leadership here. It was certainly a, a learning for me in terms of the breadth and depth and the weight. There's a lot of roles to be had in this world and I, don't, I can't think of a, a more important one. So when it comes to thinking about the souls this would be a good time at the end of this lesson to consider your status of your own soul. If you need the prayers of this local congregation and you're here with us today and you understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and you want to be made right, 
If you need the prayers, perhaps something in your life has got you in a place where you need help. And I know each and every one of us do from time to time. Now would be a good time as we're going to stand here and Shay's going to lead us in a song, the invitation song. That invitation song is to invite you to come up here and to receive those prayers. There would be nothing more honorable for us here to pray for someone who says they need help, they want prayers. And if you aren't right, if your soul you feel is in jeopardy because you haven't obeyed the gospel, you haven't been buried in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, now would be an excellent time to do that. So come now if that applies to you as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.